Hi, Mason, and welcome to another 9320 transfer special. Uh, today, we're talking to French football specialist and ESPN journalist Jonathan Johnson about City's interest in players in the French market. Welcome, Jonathan. Hi there. Thanks for having me on. Pleasure. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. And yourself? I'm very well. How's the weather in Paris today? Because I'm in the south of France and it's sunny. <laughs> Lovely. Well, it's very sunny here as well. A bit, bit chilly outside, but nice to, uh, nice to have the light. Excellent, excellent. Um, well, look, uh, I want obviously I want to talk to you about various kind of situations within the French market, but the obvious, obvious place to start is Monaco. Um, before we kind of get into the specifics of players, just in a very general sense, a thought crossed my mind the other day. If they win the league, is that more or less project over for that group of players, do you think? I mean, I, I can see why people would would think that, um, but I think you know that that all depends really on who who moves on this summer. I mean, the thing is with the project, it's not going to change. You know, if, if Monaco managed to win the league uh, and you know even the Champions League, I don't think it would change because uh, <clears throat> then they're never going to be getting a full Stade Luido Stadium for their uh, domestic matches. Yeah. Uh, you know, aside from coming up against the likes of PSG. Uh, and because of that, they're always going to fall foul of financial fair play. I mean, okay, such uh, such a level of success if they were to win both of those uh, competitions, you know, that would bring in um, a big financial windfall for them, and that would enable them to stave off financial fair play probably for you know a, a year or two. But uh, you know, ultimately, uh, the project will always continue to exist as one where players are brought in for relatively cheap. Uh, value is added significantly to those players, and then they're sold on, uh, you know, uh, to 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 the biggest clubs in Europe, really. And uh, I mean, I, th I think that there are some players who would feel um, that the project is, uh, you know, more or less over if they if they do win the gun. And I think that uh, more specifically, Leonardo Jardim might feel that way, uh, you know, and that would be um, obviously a massive loss for Monaco, perhaps more than uh, many of the players that I'm sure we're going to discuss in a couple of minutes. Is there a market for Jardim this summer? <laughs> I think there definitely is. If you look at some of the uh, coaches that could be moving on, you know, it seems like um, Simeone's finally hit his ceiling at Atletico Madrid. So there's potentially going to be an opening there for, for Jardim. Inter Milan, uh, by all accounts, uh, are supposed to be looking for a new coach. Arsenal, uh, you know, still could be looking for somebody as well. And I think Jardim would be a, uh, a perfect fit there. So, you know, I think that there are going to be a couple of clubs who, who are in for Jardim, you know, as well. Uh, PSG with Unai Emery, you know, his future is not, um, not, not guaranteed. And I think if PSG were really smart, uh, you know, they should be looking at somebody like Jardim and, and sort of, you know, perhaps seeing if he'd be interested in, uh, in, in maybe taking over and, uh, and leading the team. Okay. Um, I want to... Can you expand a little bit upon uh, Monaco's FFP situation? Because obviously you touched upon it before. Um, and I know that when, when, when we had a coffee a few weeks back, you also <laughs> talked about this idea that they before they can renew contracts, if they want to keep some of their players, they have issues with the contracts of Falcao and, and of Matinho. So just talk me through where they are in terms of financial fair play currently. Well, basically at the moment, uh, Monaco have stabilised their project. You know, they're not as reliant on, uh, you know, the big name signings that they were a couple of years ago uh, who were earning, uh, you know, massive amounts uh, on a weekly basis. But two of those players and, you know, arguably two of the, the highest earners from that period are still on the books. And like you said, that's Falcao and, uh, and Moutinho. So Monaco 
go into each transfer window, you know, sort of hoping for the best case scenario, which is that a significant offer comes in for one of these two players so that they can let them go. It's not that they think that they can do without um, players of their ability, although you could make a case um, to, to argue that, you know, Moutinho is not even really part of uh, Jardim's, uh, you know, strongest 11. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can make, a, you, you know, a, some somebody like Farcal, the way that he's played this season, yes, uh, you know Mbappe has been an absolute revelation over the second half of the campaign, but Farcal has also played uh, a crucial role. And had he not been out a couple of times during the season through injury, uh, you know he probably would um, have been uh, Monaco's most important player. However, it doesn't change the fact that he is one of the highest earners. Uh, and that means that Monaco are going to constantly be looking to to move him and uh, Moutinho on every transfer window because that will then enable them to have a bit more breathing space when it comes to financial fair play. The issue that Monaco have with financial fair play is, first of all, the, the size of the stadium. You know, it's a picturesque stadium, absolutely fantastic. You know, their training facilities as well. You know, I don't think that there are any, uh, you know, more... Uh, uh, more 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 attractive uh, settings to play football than uh, the Monaco have uh, at present, but that doesn't change the fact that uh, they can't fit many people into the stadium, even when it is full and all the tickets have been sold. Uh, but more to the point, you know, Monaco itself doesn't have a very big population. People don't really they're not really born in Monaco and raised there and stay there, uh, you know, and and grow up going to watch the the team play. Uh, they, you know, they go elsewhere in France. Yeah, they follow their team around the country and occasionally go back to, to Monaco to see a game at Stade Louis Deux, but they're not there week in, week out. And Monaco really suffer because of this. I mean, perfect example of that is you have Monaco beating Manchester City, Borussia Dortmund one week in the Champions League, and then you have them playing, uh, you know, in front of sparse crowds where tickets cost two euros. Uh, you know, in the wow. in in the league, just a couple of days later, and it's you know it's absolutely crazy, and that's how desperate Monaco are to try and get people through the door watching uh, watching matches, and obviously, uh, you know that's one massive um, chunk of. Uh, commercial revenue that that is not available to Monaco that is available to the likes of PSG. Uh, you know, PSG can 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 sell out crowds of you know sort of between forty and fifty thousand each week. Uh, and Monaco just can't do that. So that's um, immediately one big uh, negative for them uh, in terms of financial fair play. And then there's also the sponsorship situation as well. It's well known that uh, since Monaco returned to Ligue 1, uh, since they've been owned by Dmitry Rybolovlev, sponsorship uh, or sponsors, potential sponsors, haven't been as forthcoming as Monaco wanted, uh, and they're still not able to bring in the same sort of uh, you know money that the the likes of PSG are able to do, and that's uh, you know partly again related to the fact that they don't get that many people watching their matches. So sponsors feel that they don't get the same exposure that they would uh, you know if they're paying uh, you know PSG to to carry their name. Uh, but that might change now with with the way that they've performed in Ligue 1 and the Champions League this season. Um, but it's still not going to change the fact that the, the stadium situation and more specifically not being able to fill the stadium, um, you know, week in, week out, that, that is always going to hinder Monaco in terms of financial fair play. Okay. Um, bef- again, before we get into the specifics of players, in a very general sense going into the summer, what's the... What's the feeling that you're getting from Monaco in terms of how they deal with this kind of situation where they've got six, seven players who are coveted by 
Europe's top clubs. I guess what I'm getting at is, do you feel a sense that they're going to cash in this summer on most of them? Or do you think there's a a, a will from Monaco to keep as many as possible? Like, wh- wh- where are they at? Because I feel like I'm getting mixed messages. I, I feel like sometimes I'm reading that, oh no, if you've got the money, you can buy anyone from there. And then other times I feel as though they're trying to say, well, actually, we're not going to let anyone go. You see, I think it's a bit of both. That's why that's why it's so confusing. In an ideal world, Monaco would like to keep the younger players. I think that there's a couple of players in the team, uh, you know, who have sort of like a gentleman's agreement with the club, really, that if uh, an offer that's interesting and, uh, you know, meets the valuation that Monaco have of that player uh, this summer, then, you know, they'll be able to talk to that club. I'm thinking Fabinho in particular. Um, but... I think what Monaco are going to hope to do is try and keep this young core of the team together. So I'm thinking of the likes of Mbappe, Lemar, uh, you know, Mendy. Uh, I, I think Bernardo Silva, again, is like Fabinho. Uh, you know, I think that he may well have an agreement in place with the club that if a, a suitable offer comes in from a club that he'd be interested in, uh, then, uh, you know, talks would uh, talks would start. But like I said earlier, I think Monaco's priority will be to shift the uh, the, the big earners uh, and then see if they can keep some of these uh, really talented uh, youngsters. But if offers aren't forthcoming for Moutinho and Falcao early in the transfer window, uh, or you know, or Fabinho and, or and Bernardo Silva, if they if they do have agreements with the club uh, that they can move on if uh, if a suitable offer comes in, then you know I think that Monaco will be forced to listen to yeah you know perhaps at least one offer for uh, one of their very talented young players, and I think they're probably looking at the likes of uh, you know Tiemoe Bakayoko as as perhaps somebody that they could move on, or maybe even someone like Gibral Sidibe because you've got somebody like Almami Torre already coming through. Yeah. Uh, at right back, and you know, to be perfectly honest, he is as good uh, as uh, Sidibe, if not better. So I think that um, you know, there's, there's already a couple of p- uh, players sort of breaking into that starting eleven, potentially ready to push out one of the the stars of this season. And I think that Monaco will perhaps, uh, if they can't cash in on um, the big earners like Falcao and Moutinho, uh, you know, will try and shift on those players who are. Um, you know, who have played very well this season, but are perhaps not of the same uh, quality as, um, you know, the likes of Mbappe, Lamar and, uh, and Mendy. Mm. Hey, is there a risk that some of those players are being overrated? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, season? yes, I, you know, I completely, I completely, uh, you know, see, see what you're asking. And, and yes, there, there is, you know, I think Sidibe, who I've just mentioned is, He's a good player. He's a solid player, um, but I don't think he's of the same class as somebody like Benjamin Mendy on the left-hand side. You know, Mendy is arguably the best crosser of the ball, uh, or the, you know, the best uh, sort of uh, attacking fullback crosser uh, in the game at present. Uh, you know, his his deliveries are absolutely perfect. And Sidibe is and Sidibe is very good because he's versatile. He's strong. He's he's athletic. He's got a, a bit of pace. Got a decent hit from distance on him. Uh, but he's not. Uh, you know, he's he's not of the same the same caliber as Mendy. And I think Monaco will be looking at um, some of the players that they have on their books this summer and thinking that they could survive if uh, an offer comes in for Sidibe and if a team's offering you know sort of around about the 20 million euro mark upwards uh, you know i think that they'll you know they'd happily drive him to his next club for that not 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 because they don't rate him it's just that i uh, you know i think that he has uh punched above his weight this season uh and you know it's perhaps 
enjoying an, uh, an inflated reputation because of Monaco's collective success. Yeah, I, I, I would go along with that. I think he's well overrated. Um, one more before we talk about the players um, in detail, in a little bit more detail. Who's going to decide? So who's the, ultimately, is it Rabailov that makes the call or is it the sporting director? Like who's going to decide when these offers come in? Who's going to make that decision on whether a player goes or not? Well, obviously, if Jardim stays, you know, I think because of what he's achieved, he will have a say in things. But it'll be mostly the sporting director, Cordero, uh, and the uh, and the vice president, Vadim Vasiliev. Uh, you know, they together, well, Vasiliev with, uh, it was uh, Luis Campos before, but Campos has now moved on to Lille, where he'll be working with uh, Marcelo Bielsa come the summer. Uh, it's now Cordero who was brought in from Villarreal. Um, just under a year ago, so it'll now be Cordero and, and Vasiliev essentially deciding sort of what happens on the sporting front. But uh, you know that uh, that that could change because if Jardim stays, then obviously he'll have a say as well, and it'll be sort of like a, a three-way thought process. Um, but if a new coach comes in, you know, I think um, Vasiliev and Cordero will have uh, uh, sorry uh, Cordon will have complete. Uh, control over that okay uh right let's talk about some players um i'm going to start with fabinho because he's the player who's probably been the longest linked with city weirdly enough because i think the links go back almost two years now um and i remember at a certain point last summer lekeep were basically ran the story that it's a matter of when fabinho joins manchester city rather than if so the the links have been long and they've been deep. What do you know about City's interest or lack of interest? I mean, you know, City have been interested in Fabinho for quite some time now, but they're not the only ones. Uh, you know, United are also quite keen on him, and there's a number of clubs uh, around Europe who've looked into his situation over the the past couple of months and seasons. You know, Atletico Madrid, uh, you know, another club who are who are sort of in there. But I, you know, I think. Fabinho sees his future um, in a league like the Premier League. So, you know, I think that that makes um, Man City, you know, one of the the favourites for his signature. And it's just a question really of, uh, you know, what sort of position City are looking to strengthen uh, to strengthen in most. I mean, I know when we met a couple of weeks ago, you were talking about fullbacks. You know, that kind of makes Fabinho, a Fabinho move to the Etihad a little less likely because he's now almost being converted into a real um, defensive midfielder. And his previous uh, natural position of right back has actually become his secondary position. It's a bit weird. You know, he's been such a revelation since he's been moved into midfield by Jardim that, uh, you know, he's, I wouldn't say he's forgotten how to play right back. It's just, it's clear that he's so much more effective uh, in defensive midfield. Mm. But I think there is a, I think from, from City's point of view, there is, without question a, a need to replace Yaya Torre um, and I kind of in what I've I've seen of Fabinho certainly in the last six months he looks like a player who could fill that hole in our midfield um, I mean it's great to have such versatility as well because if you look if you, if you look at the the City team and you've got Monsanto in the starting 11 at right back you know Fabinho even though it's now not his favoured position is arguably still a better right back in my opinion. Oh, absolutely. And also, I mean, that's kind of Guardiola's MO. I mean, he wants versatile players. He's, you know, he's the master of taking a right back or a left back and sticking them in center mid and going, okay, I found a new position for you. Um, Anything in terms of the kind of uber recent, like anything you've heard in the last couple of weeks about 
which who's in for Fabinho or is it still very much whilst the league is going on and the Champions League is on there's nothing coming out of there yeah, I mean, there's not too much coming out in terms of potential suitors. However, what is coming out is that, uh, you know, there is this feeling that Fabinho and Monaco have agreed that if a reasonable offer comes in this summer <clears throat> and one that the player finds attractive, then the two parties will uh, discuss this <clears throat> and it's possible that the player then enters into talks with the interested club. Okay, and what do you think would be a reasonable fee? Like, what do you think Monaco are, are going to take for Fabinho this summer? I mean, considering the way that he's played, I think it could be anywhere between sort of 20 and 40 million euros. And I think probably, you know, as, as, as a best estimate, it's probably going to be somewhere around around 30. Oh, wow. That's, you know, I thought you were, I thought you were going to say between 40 and 60 or something. I mean, you know, I, th- I think it depends on the, the competition for the player's signature. But I think if an offer sort of, uh, of around 30 million euros or a bit higher comes in, uh, you know, Monica would uh, would definitely consider that. Okay. Um, okay. The next player I want to talk about is uh, again very obvious, uh, Benjamin Mendy. Um, before we talk about him and City, what happened? Why did he get dropped this week? Well, the the problem with, uh, with with Mendy is he's had a lot of injury problems lately. He's played a lot of matches, um, got injured, and 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 sort of struggled for fitness ahead of the Dortmund game, and uh, ultimately missed out. And you know, I think that he's he's basically been playing through the pain barrier for uh, a long time. So you know, his his season is essentially over. It's a, it's a little bit like Levin Kazara at PSG, uh, where he um, you know was a key player uh, in the early part of the season picked up an injury uh the team needed him to continue playing at that point he did you know and it's almost done sort of more damage than good and uh then and now uh you know the player arguably needs needs treatment i don't think mendy's situation is as uh as as serious as that but you know he does need some time off some time to rest and unfortunately it's just come it's just come at the end of the at the end of the season you know the the business end of things so it wasn't a disciplinary thing no 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 okay cool um, so yeah, with with Mendy again, British press saying City and United are in. Um, I've read in France, Real Madrid are interested. What do you know? What can you tell us? Firstly, the the fees that are being quoted seem ridiculous. So everywhere they do they do seem ridiculous, but at the same time, like I said to you, when you compare somebody like Sidibe and Mendy, there's you know there's no comparison really. Mendy is. Um, you know, one of the best deliverers of a cross uh, in 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 the game at the moment. You know, he's uh, he, I, th- I think he's probably unrivaled uh, in the left back position across Europe this season. And it's understandable that you know these big fees are being uh, are being talked about. Wow, you rate him that highly. Yeah, you know, I think he is he is a very very good player. I mean, I I think he could arguably do with another season uh, at Monaco, more Champions League football. Um, but I can see why the big clubs would be would be looking at him because, you know, it's so difficult to find really top quality fullbacks these days, whether it's a right back or a left back. Uh, you know, and for somebody um, for, for for somebody like him, uh, you know, of his uh, sort of attacking impetus, his ability, uh, you know, to to whip in crosses. Uh, you know, and, and take set, uh, deliver set pieces as well. It's uh, yeah, he's he's a very rare talent. So I can see why uh, so many big clubs would be getting excited over him. Okay, so yeah, so tell me about City's interest. I mean, it's, I, City are not the only club that I've heard linked with him. Uh, you know, there's uh, there's many clubs. You know, you mentioned quite a few of them just a couple of uh, a couple of moments ago, um, but. 
like you said when we when we spoke a couple of weeks ago, City seem to be in a, a very unique position where they're one of the few clubs in Europe where they're arguably looking for reinforcements both on the right side of defence and the left side of defence, which yeah. uh, you know makes somebody like Mendy, who is a natural left sided player, um, you know, of of great interest to to somebody like City. Uh, and I don't think that the uh, competition for his signature would necessarily be the same as the competition they'd face for somebody like Fabinho because obviously like I said with Fabinho's position change it's almost like he's seen as a as a midfielder now so it's, it might be that Monaco um, are sort of looking to see who uh, wh- which player is going to get offered for first whether it's going to be Fabinho or whether it's going to be Tiamoe Bakayoko um, Mendy wouldn't be as easy to replace for Monaco as uh, Sidibe because like I said for, uh, for Sidibe they already have sort of a ready-made replacement in Almami Torre coming through uh, it'll be harder for um for, for Monaco to to replace Mendy but they, they they seem to have already been planning for his departure because they brought in uh Jorge from uh you know from uh, from Brazil uh, midway through the season and he's already looked quite decent in the games that he's played so I you know I think that uh, you know, Monaco have perhaps been um, bracing themselves for a lot of interest in Mendy uh, this summer. Again, same question. How much do you think it'll cost? With Mendy, I think it's uh, because of his, uh, you know, he's, he's so unique. I think because of that, he's going to be going for a bit more than somebody like Fabinho. So I think, you know, we could even be talking sort of, um, you know the the fourth sort of around the forty million euro mark really for somebody like him. I think that would be a world record for a fullback. No, unless I'm dreaming, because I think the previous record was um, was Luke Shaw to United, thirty two million pounds. So forty million euros plus for Mendy would definitely be a a fullback record. I think. Um, I think I think he he's he's definitely more deserving of uh, of a potential record than uh, than Luke Shaw. I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, okay, so let's talk about the headline grabber then, Mbappe. Um, I, from a very personal point of view, you know, because I said this to you when we met that like he's the one I want from Monaco. I just think he's going to be a phenomenon, um, but I think he's probably going to be the most difficult for City to get. Firstly. What's your personal feeling? If somebody comes with the money this summer, will Monaco do the deal? Or do you think that this summer is going to almost be about playing the media and building his hype by inviting bids and then knocking them back, if that makes sense? Uh, I think it all depends. Because like I've said about the, the, the project in Monaco, if offers come in for other players first, I don't think Monaco will really entertain actually selling him. So yeah, they probably will end up playing uh, the media, knowing that they have no intention to sell, but sort of welcoming bids anyway and just seeing how high they get. Yeah. However, I think that if they haven't sold anyone sort of in the first couple of weeks of the transfer window and then the offers do start to get really serious for Mbappe, that's when his situation could get interesting because, you know, there's he's been linked with the likes of Real Madrid. And if, you, you know, they come in with some crazy money and we're talking sort of, you know, around about the 100 million euro mark, which, uh, you know, for a player uh, on the, you know, with the, with the level of hype that Mbappe has at the moment, you know, it's not it, it's not beyond uh, you know the realms of possibility that that a club like Real come in and, and offer that sort of money. Mm. Um, you've said that a couple of times that that there's that kind of that if they don't get offers in the first couple of weeks of the window, that it's going to make 
things tricky for them. Does that really imply that there is a financial imperative for Monaco to raise a level of funds through sales this summer? I mean, I think the, the pressure the pressure on them to sell players is going to be a lot less this year than it has been at any point in the last couple of seasons because of their success in Ligue 1 and the Champions League. Uh, so it could be that they could uh, you know, resist offers until perhaps a player says, OK, uh, there's interest from this club. I, I would like you to consider the offer because it's a move that I would like to make. Uh, in which case, you know, that makes the likes of Fabinho and probably Bernardo Silva the most likely to uh, to, to leave. But no, I don't think that there is uh, pressure on Monaco uh, this time because of the prize money that they're going to get for the Champions League and for their league arm finish um, to, to to sell as much as there have uh, as there has been in the past year or so. However, I do think, um, you know, in order for them to, to, to regenerate this summer, that they are still going to have to sell one or two players, and they've probably already identified who those, uh, you know, who those players are that they can perhaps allow to leave. Okay. I mean, they're already ma- they're already making moves for somebody like Yuri Tiedemans, uh, the midfielder from Anderlecht, which would suggest that they are bracing themselves for the exit of one of Fabinho or Bakayoko. Okay. Last one on Monaco. Um, how influential is Mendes at the club? And the reason I ask that is because obviously. City do seem to retain an interest in several players at Monaco, but at the same time, obviously, Mendes is, represents Mourinho and it's very close to United. And I don't know, I'm just I'm curious as to how influential he is, whether you think that, yeah. Not as influential as he used to be. Uh, you know, I think Mendes um, sort of had his time with Monaco where he moved a lot of players over there and then moved on to Valencia. Uh, you know, that sort of seems to be his um, his, his favoured destination for uh, a lot of his clients at the moment. Uh, and yeah, he still has a couple of people on the books at Monaco. However, uh, you know, I don't think that it's, you know, he was he was almost kind of part of the project at the beginning when Monaco got back into Ligue 1 and he's not really, um, you know, got that same uh, that same influence there anymore. Okay, perfect. Um, right, I wanted to ask you a few other things I want to talk about. Firstly, um, Leon <coughs> Tolisso. Um, how good is he? Tolisso is a player that I like. However, um, I think he tends to get overrated a little at times. And that's not, I'm not trying to do him a disservice because I think he is a very good player. But I think there's people who hear things about Tolisso and pe- uh, people that say things about Tolisso um, in France who make him out to be, uh, you know, a, a, a top, top class player. You know, I'm talking about the, you know, the, the sort of player that can go to a team like uh, Bayern Munich or Barcelona or Real Madrid. Um, be in the starting eleven, and I don't think he's that. Um, he is uh, very versatile. Uh, you know, he can play more than one position, and that's you know arguably his his greatest strength. Uh, you know, he's got very good technique, as you'd expect from pretty much any player that comes through Leon's youth academy. But I think he's uh, he's one of those players who's better off suited to sort of um, a second tier European club, so not one of the absolute giants, but one of those. Uh, you know, enterprising sides like a, a Dortmund or a Napoli. Gotcha. Um, <coughs> Lacazette. I'm a little bit confused. I asked this question on Twitter yesterday that obviously all those stories broke yesterday that, that um, Atletico Madrid had made an offer close to a deal, all that stuff. They've got a transfer ban, haven't they, this summer? Uh, I, I'm not too sure of the situation with all the Spanish clubs, but yeah, that sounds uh, that's, that sounds about right. Do you think Carlos will sell him? I mean, I 
they're supposed to be having a meeting later this week, and I think Lacazette will tell Olas that you know he would like to leave if uh, if an offer comes in. However, the 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 big issue is going to be how much Olas asks for Lacazette in order for uh, you know a club to be able to to speak with him. And I think Olas is going to be wanting something around you know sort of sixty million euros. And I'm not sure that there are that many clubs who will be convinced to pay that sort of money. I know the fee mentioned. Um, with the reports of the Atletico Madrid offer were sort of around 40 million euros. But, uh, you know, I think 60 is probably what Olas is going to be looking for because, you know, Lacazette is really one of his uh, golden geese, you know, along with with Tolisso. And then uh, before he went to Barcelona, Samuel Umtiti, you know, he, uh, you know, and arguably Anthony Lopez, the goalkeeper as well. They're the, the the three players that I think Leon probably value the uh, the highest, and I I, th- I think Lacazette is the one that he can make the most money on because obviously he's in a position where he scores goals, uh, and and players in that position uh, you know costs cost a lot of money. Adding the fact that he's a versatile player, yes, much better through the middle than he is out wide, but he still can play out wide. Uh, you know I think that that means that Leon are going to be looking for. Uh, you know, as much money as possible, especially if it's Premier League sides that that come in well, uh, and make the offer. Question. That was going to be my next question. Where do you think he'd prefer to go, um, Atleti or Liverpool or Arsenal? Because those are the English clubs that are linked with him. I mean, I, th- I think Arsenal, in many ways, would 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 make sense for him, um, but. Obviously, he'll want Champions League football. That's what the reports have been saying recently. Uh, you know, it doesn't look like he's going to get that at um, at Arsenal. Uh, you know, I think I think a team like Atletico Madrid would be um, a good fit for him, and he'd be a decent replacement for Griezmann as well. But obviously, a lot at Atletico will depend on Simeone and whether he thinks that he can continue with the project. Because, as I mentioned at the at the beginning of the podcast, that the recent result against Real Madrid in the Champions League kind of suggests that. You know, he's perhaps hit his ceiling there, uh, and that means that there's going to be a lot of players at Atletico if he leaves. Uh, you know, who sort of consider their uh, their position at the club. Mm. And I think many people are dreaming of this uh, Antoine Griezmann, Alexandre Lacazette um, strike pairing at Vicente Calderon, but I'm not sure that that would ever come to fruition because if Simeone leaves. Uh, I think it's quite clear that Griezmann will leave, and Griezmann could well leave anyway, even if Simeone stays. So, yeah. uh, you know, I think that the the sort of the best case scenario for Lacazette, as far as Atletico Madrid are concerned, is that Griezmann does move on to say Manchester United, and he then makes the move uh, over to Spain. Gotcha. Uh, but then again, with with somebody like uh, Pierre Emerick Aubameyang looking set to leave Borussia Dortmund this summer, you know, Dortmund could be a good destination for Lacazette as well. Very true. That's a good shout. Although I, I don't. I'm not convinced that they pay Aulas money. If that makes sense, even if yeah, no, absolutely, I agree. Money. I'm not convinced they do that. Hey, very quickly, yes or no? Any chance at all of Verratti leaving Paris this summer? I'm going to say no, uh, and that's not to say that the player doesn't want to leave or is not considering leaving. It's just that PSG don't sell their star players, um, and there was something very true um, said by an unnamed director of one of uh, the, the biggest European clubs at the moment to Le Parisien in today's edition. Uh, he said that uh, at this moment in time, it would be catastrophic for PSG's project um, if Verratti was to leave, uh, if you consider the way that they exited the Champions League as well, and I, I can completely agree with that PSG just cannot afford uh, to let Verratti leave this summer and I think they'd rather uh, you know almost double his salary and he's already the fourth highest earner at the club anyway 
Okay. Uh, then, then let him leave. You know, I, I, I don't see any way that PSG um, can continue their project and say that they're ambitious if they let go of somebody like Verratti, even if uh, in an ideal world, you know, PSG would be able to consider a sale like that because uh, there are some very strong pros um, to the potential sale of Verratti. Uh, but at the same time, there are also some, some very strong cons as well. So it's quite a balanced argument at this moment in time. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it would be a world record fee if they did sell him. But I, as you say, I think for the project, it just looks so bad selling arguably your best player. Um, okay, a couple of questions from Twitter before I let you go very quickly. Uh, Michael Scott asks, any chance of Luke, any chance that Lucas Maurer might be available? Uh, yes, uh, this is the short answer. Uh, he has been a PSG now for quite a few seasons and has not really developed. Lucas is a raw talent. He doesn't really have a footballing IQ, and because of that, he remains um, quite a limited player. You know, a player who is good um, at a certain level of club, but he's not the the sort of talent that PSG needs to take them where, to where they want to go. The Brazilian Jesus Navas, if you ask me. For, <laughs> he's, um, not, he's not started playing fullback just yet. That's true. Uh, this time, yeah. Uh, okay, uh, Lucas Mirani asks, uh, out of the current Nice team, who is the most likely to leave this summer? And I'm asking, who is their best player? Uh, I mean, it's interesting. They, they've had a number of very, very good performers so far this season. I, mean, I think the most likely to leave is probably Balotelli because, uh, you know, he was on a short-term deal. Uh, if he is to stay at Nice, I think he's probably going to really hike up his wage demands. Obviously, Mina Raiola is his agent as well. So even though I don't think by any stretch of the imagination that he's been Nice's best player, I think he's probably the most likely and recognisable face from this team to leave. Aside from him, uh, I think somebody like uh, Jean-Michel Serri is, um, is probably the most in-demand of those Nice players at this moment in time, understandably so. Uh, but actually... If, if you ask me who their best player is, Serie is definitely up there. He's a very, very talented player. I also like Alessand player as well, who's mm-hmm. uh, who, who got injured a couple of months ago. But another player who got injured and cut off when he was enjoying a fabulous season was uh, Wylan Cyprien. And I would say that Cyprien is, okay, perhaps not Nice's best player, definitely one of their best players, but I think he's probably my favourite player. I think he is a, a very, very talented player. Uh, young kid who has a bright future in the game uh, and I think it's perhaps um, to Nice's advantage that he got injured uh, when he did because it ha- hasn't hindered them from still p- applying a bit of pressure uh, and remaining in the title race guaranteeing Champions League football and it may just be enough to keep him at the club for one more season which I think is what he needs and also what Nice need from him. Are they building, uh, is there a kind of Monaco type vibe at Nice where you feel like there's like a generation of players there who could do something special? Uh, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say that they're on the same level of uh, sort of explosive talent as uh, as Monaco, but they definitely have some very, very good um, young players coming through. They have an eye for good value for money as well. Nobody knew who uh, Seri was when he was brought in a couple of years ago. Now he's, you know, one of the most in-demand midfielders uh, in Europe. So, you know, nice, Nice's project is uh, going in a very positive direction at the moment, and fingers crossed it continues that way. Awesome. Last question. Um, Dan Axel Zagadou. Um, City were very, very close. Then it was reported that Dortmund had agreed a deal. I, I don't know. Like, there's just, yeah. What do you know? 
the he's, <laughs> for people who don't know, he's a young. Is he a centre half at Paris Saint Germain? Is that correct? Yeah, he's a yeah he's a young central defender who has yet to sign professional terms. Hence, all of the interest from these big clubs. Uh, RB Leipzig are also in for him as well. Okay. Uh, yeah, he is a very talented player. Arguably the brightest prospect. Uh, you know, sort of to be ready to, to move on to professional terms at PSG this summer. PSG have had problems in recent years tying down their their best young talents, getting them to sign professional deals and actually bleeding them into the uh, into the first team. Okay, they managed to do so with Rabiot, with Kimpembe, with uh, Nkunku, but they did lose uh, you know the likes of Kingsley Coman as well. Uh, and it looks like Zagadou has already made up his mind to move on, which I think is a shame because um, you know I think PSG do need that fourth choice uh, centre-back it sounds like he's ready to sort of make the move up to the senior squad as well or perhaps go out on loan after signing a professional deal Uh, but it seems unlikely at this moment in time that he's going to sign pro terms in Paris uh, because PSG just didn't attach enough importance at the right moment in time Uh, director of football Patrick Kluivert's doing everything he can now to convince him that his future is in Paris but it seems like he's already made up his mind that he wants to go elsewhere Uh, and like you mentioned the most recent reports suggest that Dortmund are uh, leading the leading the chase, and you know Germany seems to be uh, a, a popular destination for these young PSG uh, players who haven't yet signed professional terms. Because we saw uh, Ducouré move to um, Borussia Mönchengladbach last summer as well. Yeah, awesome. Listen, Jonathan, thank you so much for taking the time out of your morning to uh, to speak to us. We really appreciate it. And my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, pleasure. Thank you to everybody who listened. Um, As always, if you like what we do, go to iTunes, hit subscribe, send us a tweet, and we will be back very soon with another podcast. Cheers. Cheers.